Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When I woke up this morning, I was feeling pretty dangerous. All right. Yeah. Our roster looks great on paper. Whoop the hell. Whoop the hell. All right. But at the end of the day, we better be a good team. And you start building that during this time of the year. Get your sorry ass up! Get your sorry ass up! Doing a lot of talking with somebody that ain't do shit today. Doing a lot of talking. Do you think you're better than Jarrell Revis is right now? I'm better than you. My 24 years of life, I'm better at life than you. Dang, dang! Time to go to work! I ain't sick! I ain't never seen you before, huh? Back up, Tanner Coach, you need some help. We're gonna expose you, boy. All right, we coming at your ass. Welcome to the Fantasy Football Roundtable. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of the Fantasy Football Roundtable Podcast, proud members of the Full-Time Fantasy Podcast Network. You can find them at FTFPodNet on Twitter. You can find me, your host, Matthew Burning, at SportsFanaticMB on Twitter. We are just one of a ton of great podcasts associated with this network, though, some of which are Jim Day of FF Champs, Corey Parsons and Dr. Roto from SiriusXM Radio, Mr. Bob Lung, the award-winning fantasy football consistency guide and the creator of the Midwest Fantasy Expo, Dwayne McFarland, Blake Sullivan, and a ton of great others, and you can find all of us on FullTimeFantasy.com, your one-stop shop for all of your fantasy news, advice, and strategies. We at the Roundtable are also excited to be partnering with ExpandTheBoxScore.com. You can find them at XTBoxScore on Twitter. They have some of the most advanced stats in football, baseball, basketball, and college football. College football stats are extremely hard to find. For just $15 a year, you can look at all of these. I'm telling you guys, it is well worth it. If you like to dive into the analytical side of sports and or for I use it for prospects, college football prospects specifically, it is amazing. It goes down to the minutest of details in this stuff. And again, it's just $15 a year. If you use our code ROUNDTABLE, you will get 10% off of that, which is a steal of a deal, if I do say so myself, and probably the best deal in the industry. So definitely check them out, especially if you want to get a jump on the upcoming draft class. It'll be well worth your time and money. Long day for me. You can follow Dennis on Twitter at culture underscore coach. We are going back and looking at what we got right and what we got wrong in our rookie rankings this past season. Uh, I'm excited to bring him on. We're also going to preview the Senior Bowl as well, so I'm not even going to delay this introduction anymore. I am dealing with very little sleep, so let's just get Dennis in here and let's start talking about what we got right and got wrong in our rookie rankings from 2019. (laughs) 
And we've got Dennis back with us today on Friday. As you heard there in the intro, we're just going to kind of talk about uh, our hits and misses this year on the rookies. Uh, obviously, this is the the first year we're able. I, I, my goodness, I can't talk. It's been a long day for me, and I know it has uh, for Dennis as well. I guess I should let you talk really quick here. How have you been, Dennis? How's your week been going for you? You know, we had a kind of a math week actually. Yeah. You know. I'd like to think things are going great, but the weather's been kind of crappy. It was cold. Today it's rainy. Uh, you know, work is trudging along. We're sort of in that time of year, starting to do things like get out W-2s and all that fun stuff. So oh, yeah. it's not the most exciting time of the year for me. Yeah, it's been, a, it's been a crazy past 24 hours for me with some stuff going on with my kids and both of them now having the flu, and then that has just not been fun for any parent who's dealt with that before. You know how that is. So I uh, went oh, from yeah. Yeah, being at work to rushing to the hospital because one of my kids was, was not doing well, and then it's just a whole thing. So, yeah, I'm right there with you. I'm looking forward to uh, something – we, I mentioned there in the beginning as well, uh, at least uh, we've, we're finally back home, so at least I get to sit down and watch the, the, the Senior Bowl tomorrow, which is going to be exciting. We'll talk about that at the end of the podcast. And with the Senior Bowl, as I was just trying to allude to there a minute ago and I talked about in the intro, we are going to kind of review our rookie ranks and what we got right and got wrong last year. This is the first year we're really able to do it since me and you really kind of kicked this off together last off season. So we're just going to kind of reflect on, we had some good calls. We also had some bad calls. Uh, anybody who's been listening to us, uh, throughout the entire year uh no we we were back and forth on a bunch of them uh you, there was a podcast early in the year where for instance you were really high on your guy preston williams uh, and didn't get drafted the ranks that we're going on are right after the draft so that's why you might see some changes in the for instance i was really high on hakeem butler earlier in the process and kind of came down on him a little bit uh based on his draft uh capital and value so this is where we got the rankings from so i believe it was a couple weeks after the draft uh, before any of the real season stuff started so we're going to hit you with what we had in case you guys don't remember which you probably don't and just talk about uh, how we feel about those rankings moving forward we're going to start with the QB position uh, I'm going to let Dennis go first give us who you had at one and uh, I mean we both had uh, we had mixes at one here actually but the same top three I believe nope yes nope same top two man I cannot read uh, same top two so go ahead and give us your one at who you had at the beginning of the year well, I had uh, Dwayne Haskins at the one. You know, I, I kind of fell in love with the arm talent. And, uh, you know, watching him here at Ohio State and seeing some of the things he could do with the ball, you know, he, he, he was overmatched. Uh, he was yeah. in a system with a quarterback or with a coach that really wasn't keen on him. And so it was, it was tough to watch both from a, fantasy asset perspective and as an Ohio State Buckeyes fan who wants their players to do well uh, I, I definitely felt like he had an opportunity to get playing time mm -hmm. because of the quarterbacks that were in front of him but Jay Gruden just didn't do what he needed to do to get him ready to play I don't think we'll see you know he made some strides he had some Good throws, some decent games. Uh, the team didn't have a lot of weapons. Geis went out. Adrian Peterson was the back. Uh, the wide receivers uh, didn't really pan out as, as much as 
uh, I think we would have liked. So there's definitely some opportunity for that team to grow. Mm-hmm. We'll see what happens with the new coach. Uh, but I, I like Haskins still. I actually, you know, we're in a, a reset draft right now. Yeah. And uh, I drafted Haskins as one of my quarterbacks probably a little bit earlier than I needed to, but I wanted to make sure I got him. I, I like the, the pairing of him and McLaurin. Uh, and I, I have Geis as well. So we'll, we'll see what happens. Yeah, I don't think it was a bad call at all. Um, you know, for I had him at two. My number one was Kyler Murray, so I'll just touch on Haskins really quick since we're already talking about him. I do think the Jay Gruden factor played into it a lot. We really kind of saw that in the beginning of the year. He was very open, probably because he. I, I think he probably knew he was on his way out the door uh, at one point when the season really did not start off well for them, and he was very open in the fact that he didn't think Haskins was ready to play, and we saw that. And so I'm with you. I think that really played a huge part in uh, his development this season. I, you know, I would say we were not uh, as bad in predicting his future as one of our our good friends in the industry, Aaron Arms, on the Back Row Fantasy Show. On one of their episodes, he predicted he'd throw 40 to 45 touchdowns and be the rookie of the year. So neither one of us went that deep into the Haskins pool, but I still believe in him as well. I thought he looked really good uh, in those last couple games where he was really starting to get in stride. Uh, And then obviously he got hurt as well and missed pretty much the most of the second to last game and then the last game of the season. They've got a coach coming in that they, I believe Ron Rivera wants to build around him. I don't believe they've hired an offensive coordinator yet, which I, I, we've talked about before. is going to be huge for Haskins' development, uh, but they're clearly going to build around him because that's who Dan Snyder wants, and he's the owner. And so they're not going to just throw Haskins to the side. He's not going to get Josh Rosen like he, uh, you know, Rosen unfortunately did uh, with Kyler Murray. Uh, so I like Haskins. I like his future. I think he's going to be good. It just, you know, he, he ended up not going the way either one of us thought he would based on what we saw uh, from him at Ohio State. Uh, My number one was Kyler Murray. Um, You could argue he was the best quarterback. I actually think a guy that we were both lower on in Daniel Jones was the best rookie quarterback out of the season. I know he had his ups and downs, but I feel like he was a little bit more – I I shouldn't say consistent because Kyler Murray was actually pretty consistent, but but Jones had more upside for the most part. His fumbles cost him in a lot of weeks, but – he definitely had more upside for the most part, but uh, I liked what I saw out of Kyler Murray. I thought he played well in that offense. You know, a lot of us were concerned about how that offense might translate into the NFL. I know that was one of your biggest sticking points, and and I was a, I was worried about it, but I thought with the way that they did it, they were probably going to be somewhat successful. Not nearly as successful as I thought they'd be, uh, but he still looked good most weeks. Uh, We'll see what happens. I think next year is going to be the big year for him, though. He's got to, him and that offense have to take a step forward next year for him to kind of continue to succeed. But I would say overall, uh, he gets at least a B plus in, in my books for, for his first year in, in the NFL. Uh, I thought he, uh, you know, showed himself well in that freshman season. Uh, and Murray was your number two. So how did you feel about him as he finished out the season? You know, he, he outperformed what I expected. I, I wasn't big on him. And, but he, he had the opportunity. They, they gave him the reins from the get go. Yeah. Uh, I'm still, I, I, I don't know if I'm sold. You know, he did outscore Jones by 70 points oh, man, in three more games. I did not realize that. Uh, yeah. So he, he was, you know, I, I would say he was clearly the number one. Uh, Jones, I think part of it was the turnovers. Yeah. And, and, but they both had suspect, you know, all three of the rookie quarterbacks 
Jones, McClure, uh, Jones, Haskins, and Murray had suspect receiving cores this year. You know, you had a, a very old Larry Fitzgerald uh, uh, in and out of the lineup, uh, Golden Tate and Sterling Shepard, and then uh, the rookie and McLaurin were, were essentially the, the cream of the crop for those guys. So it was it was a little bit of slim pickings along the way. Uh, I, you know, I don't think I'll ever own Murray. I just don't. I I don't believe that he's gonna hold up long term. Mm-hmm. He's already st- started talking about playing baseball. Yes. And <laughs> while I know his contract voids if he does a uh, some sort some of the guarantees something or other there are voids in there if he does play baseball. You know, I think he's going to end up in a situation where he's uh, taking some hits and he's going to start to consider, you know, he, he might like to dish out some hits uh, from the plate as opposed to take them from those big offensive or defensive linemen. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it could, you know, I could be, I could be wrong. It wouldn't, wouldn't be the first time, <laughs> but I, I'm, uh, he's, he's likely always going to be drafted by someone before I'll be willing to draft him. Yeah, um, like it, like in our reset draft, because <laughs> yeah. I took him. Yeah, I, I mean, where'd you I, take him? In? I I don't remember. I know I took him as my first quarterback. I want to say it was round four. No, I took him as my second quarterback. I apologize. It was round three or four because I wanted Baker, but you took Baker. So, and I knew I should have taken him. Baker. I know, and I knew I should have taken him. Uh, the pick that I had before you, because I was like, man, twenty bucks says he's going to go Baker because I, I think you would you hadn't had a quarterback yet or you needed another one. And I was Good looking man. at the board and I knew he was kind of right there. And I was like, I bet you he'll end up going Baker with one of these picks. Because you had done a couple trades in this draft as well. You had loaded up on a ton of picks in those first couple rounds. Uh, and so, I, but I passed on him. You took Baker. And so with my next book, I, pick, I just took Kyler because I wanted another young. Uh, I don't remember who I took with my first one. It was a more established guy. But, uh, yeah, I, I went ahead and took Kyler Murray. Like I said, I, I do think this is going to be a big year for him. There, there's no doubt about it. He needs to uh, – I don't want to say show out more because I do think he had a very good season, but that offense I think needs to be a little bit more productive. And they've got a lot of questions too. You know, you mentioned the wide receiver core. What are they going to do at running back with DJ, Kenyon Drake? Can they improve that offensive line any? Uh, so there's definitely a lot of questions for them. But uh, but he, he, at least for this year, showed that he can play in the NFL. Let's see if he can take a step forward now and help the, the team win more. Uh, so I'll go next. Yeah, you actually oh, uh, you, you took Murray at the three point oh three, and gotcha. I took Baker at the five point one two. Oh, geez, I thought I took him before you. So then I must have taken my. Did I take my next quarterback after Baker? After you took Baker? Uh, let's see. Yeah, you took Kirk Cousins at the oh, six. That's right, Captain Kirky. That's what it was. And as soon as because that's what I wanted was Baker. I know that for a fact because uh, yeah, my love for Baker never changes. Although. If you get a chance to listen to the episode uh, yesterday with Jordan, he kind of talks a little bit about what he thinks of Baker. It hurt my feelings a little bit, but, you know, yeah, we got to <laughs> gotta be nice to our guests, so I just kind of let it go. Uh, for me, number three uh, was Drew Locke. Uh, I was a fan of him coming out of college. I loved the landing spot in Denver. Uh, I thought that he would uh, – Start sooner than he did. Now, some of that was obviously because of the injury, and I think he looked really good, actually. I, I think that uh, he showed out well there in Denver at the end of the season. I'm looking forward to what he does uh, next year. So your four is uh, – you have Lockett five. Your four is a little bit different. My four is actually – or my guy is, is way no, down No, I have Lockett. Lock is at four. Oh, I'm sorry, yeah. Will Greer three. at three. Yeah. 
And so I wonder if, would you like me to tell, because I, I listened to the whole episode, so, and your reasoning was actually very sound on Greer. So do you remember why you had Greer so high? Uh, you know, I, I like Greer's arm. I thought he was accurate passer. I felt like he had a good opportunity, especially if Cam didn't pan out, you know, if he was injured. Yep. And yeah. so what concerns me, though, is Scott Turner, who was the quarterback's coach in Carolina, is now the uh, offensive coordinator in Washington. Yeah. And T- Turner, you know, couldn't get Greer ready to play. They ended up playing Kyle Allen with uh, Cam out. So that does give me a little bit of pause about Haskins. Haskins, yeah. Yeah, the one thing I'll say on on the Greer call because it does. I mean, again, hindsight's twenty twenty. It looks bad having him up here um, with the season that he had, but the reasoning there was actually very sound, uh, especially with what happened too. Because your whole talk on the, the whole Greer thing was you liked him, which I I was with you. I thought he was a really good player. In my reasoning, I just didn't love the draft spot. Uh, he obviously him going to the Carolina Panthers, so I had him. Uh, where did I have him? He was my last ranked quarterback. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. He, he was my nine. I couldn't remember how many I did. So uh, I had uh, I had him at number nine at my quarterbacks. Now, your whole thought process on it when we talked about it on the episode was you were not sure that Cam Newton was going to be fully healthy from that shoulder injury. They could say that, but he really looked bad at the end of last year. And something that has now been talked about a lot uh, this year, with obviously all the regime, change, regime changes, was you could get out of Cam Newton's contract. So if he got hurt again and Greer came and showed out, would they just let Cam Newton go? Which, in all honesty, was a very serious discussion that actually happened at the end of last season. So that was a really good call by you. The difference was, is something you just pointed out, he obviously, in Turner, was not able to get Greer ready where Kyle Allen was able to step up and in. So maybe if Greer would have been able to come in and step in, he would actually be what we thought he was going to be. So I guess the main main question I have for you is, are you worried that they might draft a quarterback now? Because they could still not re-sign Cam Newton, maybe keep him there as a bridge quarterback for a year and then let him walk into free agency. How are your, what's your thoughts on Greer now as we move into the 2020 season? Well, I still believe in all of the things I liked about his talent. Yeah. Is, I think he's got a good, strong arm. He's an accurate passer. Uh, I think he processes the field adequately. Um, he's got a little bit of mobility, not a ton, but he, he can move around in the pocket. Um, but with a regime change, you know, they did keep the GM, right? Is that, yes. It's not Gettleman. So they've got the same GM in Carolina. So he may be inclined to to say, hey, I, I need you to try to make it work with this guy. But with a new head coach, it could also be a situation where the new coach is like, you know, if I'm gonna if I'm gonna make the dinner, I want to shop for the groceries. Right. And the, the the prime rib is the quarterback and I I want to get my own. So that's that's a concern. If that's the case, you know, it used to be the standard that you drafted a quarterback and you let them sit behind an established starter for three or four years before they took over. I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing if Greer sits for three or four years. Um, uh, you know, you you would like to have 
your guy playing. Mm-hmm. But if somebody has to sit a couple years and then come in and take over, uh, it, it's not necessarily the worst thing in the world if when they get the opportunity, they make something happen. Yeah. You know, Kyle Allen was an undrafted free agent, but he was on Carolina for two years. And then after the season started, Cam's shoulder still looked bad, and then he hurt his foot. Allen was able to step in after being in the system for a couple years and and take over uh, and hold Greer off. So it, it's I, I think where I, where you were drafting Greer, if you were drafting Greer, uh, you were getting him probably in the fourth round, maybe fifth round of rookie drafts. Oh yeah. So it's not like you you invested a ton of capital in him anyways. So you can keep him on your taxi squad for a couple of years or at the end of your bench uh, for a couple of years to see how he develops. What's he going to look like in preseason? Is he going to start to show some stuff? Uh, w- will he get some mop-up duty? You can get, get an opportunity to see uh, what kind of confidence. That, that sort of You have to pay attention to that stuff as the season goes on. Yeah, I, I, I'm right there with you. I, I don't. I, I would love to see what happens. There's still a lot of question marks around him. And then in that episode, I talked about the same things. I loved him as a prospect. My biggest fear was the landing spot. And, and as you'll see uh, in our next episode, when Matt's back from Disney, we're going to talk about what we got wrong on our division predictions and everything for the season. Uh, I was obviously very high on the Panthers, as you guys will soon find out. And some of that was because I thought Cam Newton was going to be back and fully healthy, which is why I, I didn't like Greer just because of the landing spot. It had nothing to do with talent. Uh, which is, you know, a little bit of uh, me covering both sides of my bases here because I always talk about, well, talent ends up winning out. So, you know, that's not necessarily the same argument I'm making now. Uh, but uh, but I'm, I'm interested to see what happens now with Rule there, the regime change, and obviously everything going on in Carolina and Cam Newton and his injuries. Uh, so I mentioned I had Locke at three. You have him at four. What are your thoughts on Locke? Uh, I like Locke a lot. I think he came in and uh... – he showed that he had pretty good command of that offense. Uh, I love the connection that he has with Cortland Sutton, uh, which was why I drafted Locke second in my second quarterback in our reset because uh, I drafted Cortland Sutton as one of my wide receivers. Very nice. So, I uh, yeah, I was pleased with that. I, I was I, I was hoping to get uh, uh, Daniel Jones. Actually, was a guy I was eyeing mm-hmm. uh, in that draft, and he got drafted a couple rounds before I expected him to go. But I like Locke. Really strong arm. Uh, put him up there in that high altitude. Uh, you know, some he, he can have some accuracy issues, but he's decent. He's got good mobility, uh, good running game behind him. They've got some work to do on their offensive line, I think, to get, get some things solidified there. They've got a couple good guys and a a couple not so good guys, so there's some work to do there. But I like I like Locke as a pro- prospect. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be fun to see him there, especially if there's a lot of talk in some of these drafts that they may try and add a another wide receiver. <laughs> if they could get a guy like you know some of the guys that have been balling out here in the the senior draft lately, like a, Dan, a Denzel Mims, maybe KJ Hill in the slot uh, to pair with Sutton on the other side, and then Locke. Oh man. And Denver offense is going to be flying. So I'm going to hit hit it here with my five and six. Uh, five was just a bad call. Uh, I, I'm going to just cop to it. Uh, I had Ryan Finley. I, I thought uh, I remember when I was listening to the episode again, 
Felt like the reasoning was sound, obviously just did not turn out that way. In the episode, I talked about how him going to Cincinnati, I thought was the going to spell the end for Andy Dalton and that Ryan Finley was going to get a shot at the job this past season and and do enough to keep it throughout the year. We'll see where he goes. Technically, yes, technically that did happen. He kept it for all of, I believe, two games uh, and then lost a job again to Andy Dalton. So I I would think we all agree that Ryan Finley is not the answer in Cincinnati and they're likely going to go Joe Cool himself at number one, though there's been a lot of talk they won't. I don't believe any of it. I'm pretty sure Burrow is going to be the number one pick. Uh, So Ryan Finley... Got his shot, didn't do anything with it, and that was that. Uh, my number uh, five, was it five or six here? My goodness, I just cannot keep up. I keep scrolling around here. My number six, one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, five. My goodness, guys, I'm sorry. I'm doing live math here on the podcast. Uh, my number five was Daniel Jones. Obviously, this was just a big uh, error by both of us. Uh, we were listening to the podcast, or when I was listening to it, we kept talking about how we wanted to see what he could do. Obviously, the one year there of production, the really good production out of him, did have a really good senior bowl. Uh, looked decent at the combine. Uh, this was right around the time that the rookie OTAs were going on. I remember because we were talking about the video of uh, the Giants that posted of him doing all the dump offs to the running backs, and we're like, well, we need to see him throw the ball down the field. He looked phenomenal this year. There's just no other way around it. He obviously had the fumbling issues, but that can be improved. He didn't really throw a ton of interceptions. Uh, did a couple in, a, in some of the games at the end of the season, but outside of that, had a really good year, and I think Daniel Jones has a lot of upside moving forward. I'm actually kind of excited about him. I know you were just talking about you wanted to draft him. Uh, he's a guy that I would feel comfortable drafting as well. He's got a really good offense around him. They improved that de- offensive line. And Daniel Jones could be a very good quarterback moving forward. Uh, so Locke was your uh, your four. Jones we, was. We both had Jones at five. Five, yeah. So go ahead, give us your thoughts on Jones really quick, and then who'd you have at six? You know, Jones for me, what what concerned me was his his yards per attempt in college. He just wasn't throwing the ball deep. He didn't seem to have uh, a very good deep ball, and so everything was close to the line of scrimmage. Um, he did show some mobility, uh, pretty good athlete. Mm-hmm. But in, in, while he looked good in, in college running the ball, when he when he ran at the combine uh, or at his pro day, he didn't run as fast as uh, he was reported to be. And so I kind of knocked him a little bit for maybe some of those big run plays. Uh, you know, you can gain an awful lot of yards when the – you break the line of scrimmage and the defensive back has their back to you chasing a, a chasing a wide receiver. Right. So, you know, it turns out he's actually a real good athlete. Uh, Darius Slayton uh, showed that as a deep target, uh, he's much better than anybody that played at Duke. And it, it just kind of clicked. He clicked with Evan Ingram. He clicked with Slayton. Uh, Golden Tate brought a, the the short game to the to the field and, and Sterling Shepard. So as long as Shepard, they have a decent receiving core. Mm-hmm. Uh, no bona fide studs yet, uh, in part because Ingram has to stay healthy. Yeah. If Ingram can't stay on the field, then that's going to be, you, you know, they don't have anybody with Ingram's talent backing him up. So getting Ingram back, getting Darius Slayton back. Uh, Sterling Shepard, you know, all that to go along with Saquon Barkley. As long as they can keep 
the pressure off of Jones, and it, it should bode well for Jones in uh, his second season. Yeah. Now, again, they've got a new coach though, and hopefully the new coach, you know, lets the offensive coordinator play to Daniel Jones's strengths, and, and they don't go in and try to fit a, you know, a square peg into a round hole. <laughs> yeah. All right, tell us a little bit about who you had at six. These next couple we can kind of fly through since they, uh, I don't think their value is going to change much, although this next guy for you might uh, because of where he landed, but go ahead and give us your next guy. You know, I, I went with Easton Stick out of uh, what Northwest Southeastern Dakota State. Yeah. So I think, didn't I don't know, I don't think he, did he succeed Carson Wentz? Uh, uh, yes, yes. Or was he at the other Dakota? No, wait. No, I think he was at the other good, Dakota. No, I can't Stick remember. Is, Stick is a good athlete. Uh, and he he put up good numbers in college, and he showed all the things I that I think you need. His issue was just playing against top-level uh, competition. And so he went in, and he, he played well enough that the Chargers kept him over Cardale Jones. Um, though they did bring in Tyrod Taylor and stick was the third. Mm-hmm. So I, I think stick does have an opportunity. It, he could be one of those guys. He was a big man on campus at a little school and a little conference. Didn't play a ton of high level competition, but if he goes in, he's now learned the Chargers' offense. There were no coaching changes there. If rivers does walk, uh, all the, Chatter seems to be that they're going to go with Tyrod Taylor. I mean, they could bring in another free agent or something. Yeah. Um, but the possibility exists, though, that you know Stick could go in and, and take that job. Yeah, and he did. Uh, he was there behind Carson once. He took over when Wentz left. So you, so you were right on that. Yeah, I, I like Stick too. I had him obviously a little bit lower. Uh, in my ranks, I had him at eight, uh, mostly because I wasn't sure. I was still kind of big on Cardell Jones. Obviously, that didn't work out, but I am excited to see what he does in the XFL, which does start up in a couple weeks. Uh, but he definitely has a shot. I, I'd be a little worried about it. We'll, we'll see what happens with them. Obviously, there was a lot of talk uh, earlier in the year, especially when Rivers was going really bad, that they might stick or they might put in Tyrod and stick with Tyrod. I guess he's got a really good. Uh, a really good relationship with Anthony Lynn. He was there when they were both in Baltimore together. So we'll see what happens there. But I like Stick as well coming out. I was more of the landing spot uh, for me there because I thought Rivers was going to play for a couple more years. And I don't know if he ever plays again. That's really going to be some of the fun that we're going to have here in the offseason. This uh, this quarterback class is going to be really interesting for free agents. So uh, I'm just going to give my last two here. Or actually, just my last one because I already touched on Greer earlier. And we talked about him. He was my nine. Uh, so at seven, I had Stidham, and I talked about it uh, earlier in the year. He he rised, it rised up. He he, my goodness, he moved up my board. Easy for you to say, no, not at all. He moved up my board uh, because I thought when the Patriots took him, and we've seen this before, and I mean, not it's not always worked out. But when Bill Belichick has drafted some quarterbacks uh, earlier than we expect them to go, it's because he sees something in them. And he does tend to develop at least decent backup quarterbacks. Uh, You know, I mean, Jimmy G 
We'll see what he's done. I guess you would probably say him and Brissett are the best starters that he's ever kind of groomed under Tom Brady before, and then they've moved on. Uh, and obviously, we don't know if Brady's going to be back next year. So maybe Stidham gets a shot, and that was the only reason I moved him up at where I did was because I was worried, or I thought if Brady leaves in a couple years, if they don't draft another guy, they might stick with Stidham and see what they have. So he's another one of those guys that kind of falls in the Greer and stick both this year in well, what what is going to happen with him in 2020. So I, I would still, if you've got him on your taxi squads, hold him and see what happens. Uh, but uh, and, oh, as an overall prospect, I think he's okay. I, I don't love his skill set, if I'm being honest. So your thoughts on uh, Stidham and who you had one more guy ranked than I did, Brett Rippon. So go ahead and give us your thoughts yep. on those two and where you had him ranked. So I, I have Rippon 8 and Stidham 9. Mm-hmm. I think Rippon and Locke went into Denver much like Kubiak and Elway did. That's exactly and what you said in the podcast, too. So that's kind of funny that you referenced that again. So it's just, you know, Rippon may never get a legitimate shot in Denver if Drew Locke pans out. But he could he could put himself in a position to be like uh, Jimmy Garoppolo is. So he's going to be there. He's on a four-year contract. Look, if he looks good in uh, training camp preseason uh, for the next couple years, when he has to play, if if uh, Locke gets injured or something, if he looks good, we may be going into year four for Rippon with the Denver Brass saying, hey, we've got this guy who's flashed a little. He's definitely not going to overtake Locke. And, mm-hmm. and so maybe it behooves us to move him to a team looking for a quarterback for a third or fourth round pick. And and then he gets some opportunity down the road. Um, you know, R- Rippon, I think, struggled a little bit with uh, accuracy. Uh, he moved around, went to a couple colleges, different colleges. I think he was at Georgia and Boise State. Um, so, you know, he knows how to play the game. I think he's, he's probably Charlie Whitehurst with a better arm and not the propensity to check down all the time. <laughs> Um, you know, and Stidham, I had Stidham at nine. I just, I'm not sold on Stidham. Uh, I, I think that him and Rippon are both kind of the same thing. I think Stidham, he out, Stidham did outperform what I expected this year. Yeah. Because he played well enough that Belichick kept him as the two. Yeah. So, you know, uh, there's, there's probably a reason. I'm talking about this on a podcast, and Bill Belichick has nine <laughs> Super Bowl appearances and six rings, and it's not all videotaping the other team's practices. Yeah, uh, well, I mean, is it not all, though? We don't know that anymore because that seems to happen a lot with them. All right, let's move on to the running backs. This one was uh, was very interesting. Uh, you're number one, uh, or you know, I'll go first. I'll give my number one first since you went first on quarterback. So I had uh, Miles Sanders. Um, everybody knows how much I love that kid coming out of Penn State. I thought, you know, a lot of people were were down on him. I mentioned it on the podcast. I'm just gonna stop saying that because I feel like I've already said that 40 times here. But when we talked about it before, uh, my biggest fear with him was the same as yours was the fumbling issues. But I said if he could get that in control, uh, I thought he was gonna have a great year. And unfortunately, we didn't see it till the end of the year. Now, I believe he still finishes the best rookie. Maybe Singletary beat him out. I can't remember. Uh, I didn't honestly look at any of their stats before him, but I know Sanders was on fire 
at the end of the season when he finally was able to grab that spot. He did everything and more that I thought he could. I love this kid. I was able to get him in a lot of drafts because people were much higher uh, on the guy that we both had at two, actually, in Josh Jacobs. Uh, and so I, I loved a great, I, I should say, he did great and made me look smart. So I appreciate that. Uh, Jacobs, I'll just touch on real quick. The only reason I had him at two was because I know the same as you because we were both very much down on him was the landing spot in Oakland. And we thought that he was going to get enough run until he didn't do anything with it. And then it moved into more of a timeshare. Outside of the injuries, Jacobs had a really good year. Now, I'm still worried about it because, again, I think part of the reason he was injured so much was due to the fact that he did not get that much run in college. He just didn't. And and I do think I am worried about him still moving forward. I would rank uh, the guy I have at three above him and the guy I have at four and possibly even the guy I have at five all above Jacobs moving forward. I'm still not that high on him. Uh, he had a couple of really good games, but in my opinion was not as consistent or as good as a lot of people thought he was going to be when they had him at their 1-1. One, one. So go ahead and give me your one and two since I know your two is the same as mine. Yeah, I- I had David Montgomery at one. Um, I think part of the challenge he had is the he he wasn't he. I don't feel like he was given enough opportunity, I agree and with that that, uh, that offense struggled. Uh, he did finish as the RB twenty four in PPR, which is a respectable performance yeah. for a rookie. Now, granted, I only count through 16 games i don't include oh, week 17 yeah. if you have a week 17 championship game you you need to ditch Learn that to play fantasy so <laughs> through 16 games uh montgomery was running back 20, 24 so i definitely think that he has a lot of room to grow he made some catches this past season that were just phenomenal catches that uh, i i don't know if there's you know, more than three running backs that would make those catches in the NFL. Uh, he made some, he's got exceptional lateral agility. He doesn't have long speed. That's not his game. Uh, but he can break off a 10, 15, 20 yard chunk, uh, pretty good. I think sometimes playing at Iowa state, the competition wasn't quite as high, uh, as he's facing now. And, so there are some of the things I, I think he got away with at Iowa State that he's not getting away with in the NFL. He needs to, you know, incorporate a little more north-south into his game. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I'm still big on Montgomery. I, I think he, uh, he, he definitely needs to get some more touches. Yeah. Uh, and hopefully Chicago invests in a couple offensive linemen. But uh, I, I like where they're going. I don't know. Maybe Chicago's issue is Trubisky. That that could be it too. I mean, you know, I, Jacobs I don't finished as uh, running back twenty one. You know, he was he was my two. I I, I think part of it with Jacobs um, is that you know he's not used to that taking that kind of beating. Um, say what you will, yeah, you can serve him. You don't use him. Uh, he doesn't come into the NFL with a ton of wear and tear on the treads, but he also doesn't know how to hold up to a 20, 25 touch per game workload over 17 weeks. Yeah, I think that's that might be part of it. I, I do expect Jacobs is uh, going to have another good year, in part because John Gruden showed with Cadillac Williams that uh, running backs are disposable to him. He'll run the wheels off of Josh Jacobs for three or four years and bring in somebody else. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I, I wouldn't doubt it. So at my uh, three, I had David Montgomery. And part of the reason I was uh, worried about him ends up being kind of what happened to him this year, what you were just mentioning, was the Tariq Cohen factor and how much they used him uh, in ways that one of the biggest reasons we love David Montgomery was what he was able to do in the receiving game in college, and they really just kind of moved that more toward uh, Tariq Cohen this year. They did take the ball away from him. It's funny, if you go back and look at it, when they used him and gave him about 20 carries a game, he actually had a bunch of really good games. So I just think a lot of it was play calling. I mean, there was multiple times throughout the year that Matt Nagy got, I, I don't want to say called out, but they are like, why don't you run the ball more? And he's like, I know I need to run the ball more. What do you think? I'm stupid and all this stuff. So it... it it was interesting. I, I still think Montgomery is better than Jacobs. I'm not worried about that at all. I know me and you had talked about him a lot. We both had it Montgomery and Sanders throughout the entire process until the draft happened. And Jacobs got taken as the first running back off the board and went to Oakland. And like, well, maybe he's got to get moved up some just because of where he went. And so we both moved him to two. Uh, I really think that Montgomery is still going to be solid uh, moving forward. For me at four, uh, you had the same guy at four. Um, and this is a guy we probably we were right on. And, and so I kind of feel bad that we had him at four. But I also don't hate the ranking spot. That was Devin Singletary because we both talked about it throughout the process. I know other people did. I, I'm going to give us props and say I feel like we were the first ones to say it. We were very early on the train that Devin Singletary was going to be the guy in Buffalo because we talked about how we we did, we did a series last year. We ran through every single team and what they thought they might do with free agents and the rosters, and we both said that they th- we thought they were going to get rid of Deshaun McCoy. This was very early on in the process, and Singletary was going to be the guy. We both liked him a lot. We both thought he was going to be very good there. We weren't worried about Frank Gore. And once Singletary got the shot, he was good. Unfortunately, he got injured, and I think that kind of hurt him a little bit, obviously, in his stats and fantasy points. But all in all, Singletary, I think, is going to be good moving forward and is going to be the guy for Buffalo. So your thoughts on Singletary, uh, and then give us who you had next at five. So I like Singletary. I I do think he has a a decent future. It was a little bit uh, disconcerting that Frank Gore outcarried him by 15 carries. Yeah. Uh, Singletary had 151 for 775 yards, and Gore had 166 for 599 yards. Um, uh, Singletary did have 29 receptions. So the, the ability is there. He fits that offense. Uh, there was some veteran deference to Gore, I get it. He's a, he's a super nice guy, team player. But man, at some point you just got to you just got to say enough's enough and give it yeah. to the dynamic guy, which is Singletary. Um they I don't think they did they did that enough. Um Singletary started 8 games. He did miss 4 games with injury, but they they just even late in the season they were still Singletary'd break a run, they'd put in Gore. And it was like let let the guy have, you know, 75, 80% of the carries. Let's see what he can do when you're doing that. You know, it, God, I got to stop saying, you know, I've fallen into that habit again. Uh, <laughs> but Singletary, if he's getting 20 to 25 touches a game, that he's shown that he's, he's I mean, he averaged 5.1 yards per carry, mm-hmm. which, you know, you can say it's a good stat or not. I think... When you compare it to Gore at 3.6, he's averaging a yard and a half more per carry. 
So they're both running behind the same offensive line. So I feel like that's an apples to apples comparison there. Um, let Singletary carry the ball. It's only going to do good things for your offense. Uh, at my next spot, number five, I had Daryl Henderson. You know, we both had Henderson at five. I, I don't know. You know, if he, if he had trouble picking up the offense, if his, he just isn't used to running that type of scheme and he couldn't see the hole. But man, he just had a very, very forgettable season. You know, there were a couple times when he popped out there and he did look pretty good. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, man, Henderson just looked like he was, uh, just didn't, didn't belong. Yeah. Yeah. I think for me, I mean, we both had him that high because we worried about Gurley. That, that, and I think a lot of people did. I know there were times Henderson was getting drafted before Singletary in a lot of rookie drafts. And, and a lot of people really are worried about Gurley moving forward. And, and, you know, I saw you retweeted out. Definitely check out, uh, Tony Dyer or one of our co-hosts on Thursdays. Uh, his podcast, Huddle Up, and he goes into a deep dive on Gurley and Darius guys dealing with the uh, with the injuries they've had in their knees and what it could mean for their futures. And I think that's why everybody was high on Henderson. I'm interested to see, again, what happens with him this year because it, this could be a big year for him, but I'm with you. The, the fact that he did not play as much as he uh, uh, we thought he was, especially on the, toward the end of the season where he got a little bit of run earlier in the year and then they really kind of pulled him out. And I wonder if it was something like that where he was – kind of maybe not picking up the offense. We've heard that they have a very complicated offense, so maybe that's what it was. We'll see what happens with him. Uh, for me, I'm going to give you – I'm just going to kind of run through my next couple guys because I, I don't think outside of really the last two have a whole lot of value. So I had Justice Hill. Uh, my thought process on that was I thought he's going to be more of a receiving back and Ingram being kind of the runner. Didn't really turn out that well. I'm actually kind of worried about Justice Hill moving forward, especially with what we saw from Lamar Jackson this year. I thought he'd be more willing to dump it down to the running backs. He seems to dump it more to the, the tight ends. Uh, so I'm worried about Hill and his dynasty value. Uh, Damian Harris, I'm not worried about. I think he's going to have a bigger year this year anyways. I said that, and so did you on the podcast earlier in the year. Uh, we didn't think he was going to do much this year. I do think moving forward, Harris is going to have a bigger role, so I'm fine with him. I had Rodney Anderson next. I hope this kid comes back and has healthy because he's a dynamic athlete, but I, I just I don't know. I don't see a future for him in Cincinnati uh, or Travion Williams, who I had two picks later um, at uh, 10. I'm not sure either one of them does. Maybe Williams a little bit more if they move on from Bernard. I actually think they signed Bernard to an extension since then, so he probably doesn't have much of a future there. Benny Snell, I'm not that excited about either. I had him uh, at uh, 9. I didn't see a lot that I liked out of him when Connors went down. I think they might end up going another running back or just trying to stick with the the duel of uh, Samuels and Snell if they decide to move on from Connor here in the near future. Uh, Madison and Armstead were my last two. These are the guys that I think have the most value moving forward. Madison, obviously, if Cook gets hurt, we've seen can be a dominant threat in the backfield, even with Cook there. So I love Madison and Armstead's a guy to watch. Because uh, I actually think Fournette has a chance to be traded, and and we saw Armstead had a couple of really good plays when he played instead of Fournette this year as well. So those are the two guys on my top twelve outside of the top four uh, that I think really have some value moving forward. Uh, so Dennis, go ahead and knock out the rest of your running backs for us really quick. So I I ranked Hill and Harris right where you did. Yeah. Um, I I think I think Hill will be fine, um, but I do. 
I, I do follow your thinking that unless Jackson starts to run less and checks the ball down more, uh, that's going to negatively affect Hill. Uh, Mark Ingram looked good, and he looked like he had some juice left. Yeah. Uh, Gus Edwards looked good. And when Gus Edwards is in there, you know he, they're not passing the ball to him. And and he, he still picked up big old chunks of yardage. Ingram at least does present a threat of uh, catching the ball. So there, I, I think there is – there is some uh, opportunity for Hill, but it, it, the ceiling might not be as high as we initially thought. I think Harris will be fine. I think part of his challenge is always going to be uh, how New England handles their running backs. He he could they they could cut Michelle tomorrow, slip Harris right in that same role, and he could be equally as frustrating as Michelle was this year. Yeah, uh, had Raquel Armstead at nine. I, I like Armstead's talent. Uh, I I think that uh, Fournette's going to go out and uh, have another good year this year. I think he showed last year he's a very capable pass catcher. Uh, he's still a beast running the ball, and he stayed healthy. And for the life of me, I don't know why a coach would go in there and say, hey, you know what we need less of? We need less of that guy getting four and a half yards of carry and catching 72 balls out of the backfield. Yeah, we need less of that. Yeah. So I, 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 if that happens, then I'm going to be like, I'm going to start applying for every single head coaching job that comes up. And when they say, why do you think you're qualified? I'm going to say, look, because I know to give Leonard Fournette the fucking ball. Yeah. <laughs> um, after that, I had Bryce Love at number nine. I, I know he was injured and he basically redshirted last year, but man, his junior year before he went, made that poor decision to go back uh, and got injured his senior year and, and just had a tough year, dude was dynamic, looked awesome. I think Chris Thompson's on the way out. I think Bryce Love will be able to slide right in to that role uh, as the pass catching back. And I think Love is actually a better ball carrier than Thompson was, mm -hmm. and he'll be able to uh, you know, be the lightning to Darius Geis' thunder. You know, I followed that up at number 10 with Benny Snell. You know, Snell isn't a burner. Snell is a plotter. Um, he's going to make every fourth or fifth guy miss. Uh, he's going to get caught from behind. But he's in an offense that it doesn't seem to matter who the running back is. You know, it's just one of those things. He's if I think if he goes out and they give him 20 carries – He's going to get 90 yards and a touchdown. It's just the way that offense is built. Uh, Travion Williams, again, uh, for me at 11, followed by Darwin Thompson. Uh, you know, Thompson uh, was a darling there for a while, but when, when he got an opportunity, I don't think he showed quite as much as uh, yeah. people, uh, people thought he would. Uh, I like Travion Williams. I think he's... I think between Mixon, Geo, Williams, and Anderson, that's a deep running back core. And should somebody get injured, you've got pieces to slide right in and play at a high level. The downside of it is, is if you have Travion Williams on your team, your fantasy team, uh, you're probably sitting him on the bench for a couple of years. 
uh, unless an injury does occur. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's going to be uh, interesting. I, I mean, Darwin Thompson, especially before the LaShawn McCoy news, really kind of was boosting up everybody's uh, everybody's ranks there. I mean, I was high on him, too. Uh, obviously not. Uh, I didn't have him in my top 12 at the time, uh, but he was a guy that you and Jared had brought up a lot like Preston Williams during the combine stuff, and, and we're really starting to put him on my radar. I just wasn't sure. I was a lot bigger into Damian Williams, though, at the time than you guys were. I know you have not uh, really been a Damian Williams fan, which kind of makes sense why you had Darwin Thompson where you did and why I didn't, because I was obviously bigger on Damian Williams, and you seem to be right on that one at, at the moment. Though, Damian Williams seems to play well in, in the playoffs just can't do anything in the regular season when it matters for us as fantasy owners all right so let's jump into the wide receivers now uh this one was very interesting because we were kind of close on a lot of people uh and and then far off on some of them and the one that really hurts my heart and my you know my buckeye pride is where we both had McLaurin which is interesting because I honestly don't think anybody had McLaurin that high, but he obviously I would say is right there with Debo and Metcalf and and Brown is having the best rookie seasons, and we have those three very high. We just not have McLaurin, but uh, I'll go first. I'll give my top two. Uh, I kept DK at one, and I put Paris Campbell at two. Paris Campbell is probably my biggest miss on this list. Uh, he just. Couldn't stay healthy, couldn't get on the field. I still think he's a really good wide receiver. I think he's going to be really good for the Colts. Interested to see if that's going to be with Jacoby Brissett because I've soured on Jacoby a little bit more. And then obviously in a lot of my analysis too, this was him being paired with Andrew Luck. Uh, and that's obviously not going to happen now. Uh, but I still think he's a phenomenal receiver and going to be really good. Uh, so I'm not worried about him at two. If you can buy low on him, I would because I think he's going to turn it around. My one in DK, uh, he did everything that I thought he was going to do. Uh, and, and in Dennis's defense, when we talked about it before, uh, he has DK a little bit lower. But he did say that he thought DK could rise up because uh, Seattle might do exactly what DK is good at. And that's exactly what they did. And so props to Daryl Bevel and everything he did with the offense this year because they only had DK Metcalf do what he was good at. And that's the sign of good coaching because everybody was down on him after his three-cone drill and this and that and him looking stiff. But the dude's a phenomenal athlete. And if you throw the ball up, he can go get it. And he's got a ton of speed. And that's exactly what they used him for in Seattle. And it worked out for him. I think DK's got a great uh, career moving forward with him with Russell Wilson and that Seattle offense. So who were your top two? I appreciate how you congratulated Daryl Bevel for making the smart move of going to Detroit and not screwing up DK Metcalf. Oh, God, did he go to Detroit? That's right. I forgot about that. Yeah. That's my, well, that is right. Yeah, thank you, Daryl Bevel. Brian Schottenheimer's the OC. Thank you, Bevel, for, for going to Detroit <laughs> and just ruining on Johnson's career and not right. DK Metcalf. So I apologize about that. Now who are your two uh, top at wide receiver? Now, I had Nikhil Harry at one and A.J. Brown at two. And honestly, I flipped them. Um, I, I had AJ Brown at one for so long and the draft capital and situation is what led me to flip them. Uh, I didn't, I, I just, I'm not a Mary. I don't think Mariota was good. And, uh, AJ Brown going to Tennessee. I just did not expect him to have the type of year that he did. Um, and Tom Brady is is a much better quarterback than uh, Marcus Mariota, and there was opportunity mm-hmm. in New England. And Belichick is very good at doing 
what they did in uh, Seattle and saying, hey, these are the things you do well. We're just going to have you do those. Yeah. But that didn't happen with Nikhil Harry. He got injured. And then when he came back, he just didn't. He, he didn't fit into the system uh, as good as I think everybody expected. DK Brown, on the other hand, or AJ Brown, on the other hand, he came in and he showed that he's just a flat out baller. Mm -hmm. I don't, you, you get the ball. You, he basically said to the, to those quarterbacks, if you throw the ball in my general direction, I'm big and strong and I'm going to figure out a way to go get it. Mm -hmm. Uh, I, number three, I came in with Debo Samuel, and I had Paris Campbell, Campbell at number four. Yeah, De, Debo is a baller, and he's. Uh, it'd be nice to see him in an offense that passed consistently. Uh, in in San Francisco, it's tough because while he looks fabulous sometimes, and then you look down and you see he had three catches for. 42 yards, uh, but he looked good all game long. It's just they ran the ball 42 times for 900 yards. Yeah. And, and it just ended up being – it wasn't that they forgot him. It was that they didn't need him. But he he showed himself uh, to be the cream of the crop there in San Francisco uh, going forward. Campbell, I like Campbell, but it was uh, – you know. It was the Andrew Luck thing. Uh, he, he suffered with his injuries all year. I'll be interesting, interested to watch going forward what Paris Campbell actually does. Mm -hmm. um, you know, cause he, he's a big fast guy. If he can, if he can run some routes, uh, get that down, down, get a quarterback that's not afraid to throw the ball and stay healthy. You know, the opportunity is there. That's a, that's not a deep wide receiver core. Yeah. Uh, I'm, for me, I had uh, I had Debo at three as well, and I'm going to give you and Jared full credit on this. You guys are the ones who really kind of turned me on to him. I had him much lower in my rankings than I, I, we talked about it then. Him landing in San Francisco was prime spot, and, and he showed it. Uh, he obviously had a, a really good year. Uh, I think the injury earlier in the year kind of hampered him a little bit, uh, but I'm, I think he's going to be awesome moving forward, especially with what we've seen uh, out of him. Uh, I had it for A.J. Brown. Uh, you were much higher on him than me. You were right. You had him at one throughout the whole process. What's funny, too, uh, again, the the whole explanation you gave and how true it became and that you said you thought A.J. Brown could blow up and be the best wide receiver in the class if or when. It wasn't even if, when Ryan Tannehill takes over. And that happened, and then he blew up. So I got to give you major props on that uh, because not a lot of people were talking about that. A lot of people thought Marcus Mariota was going to show out in his final year, and Ryan Tannehill was just going to be that backup. And it ended up being now Ryan Tannehill might end up being the future of the Tennessee Titans. So that was a great call by you. Uh, number five for me was uh, Hakeem Butler, and I'm still high on him. Obviously, he had the, the broken bustler. hand. I'm sorry? The bustler. No, nah, he's not the bustler. I, I can't wait. I can't wait because I have a bunch of receipts saved right here, and they're going to get thrown <laughs> in people's faces in 2020 when, uh, when Butler has a good year because I think he's going to bounce back big. You had all the people who were talking about how great – and I already forgot his name because he doesn't matter. Uh, but uh, that little wide receiver that was fast that they drafted ahead of I wasn't Butler, on Isabella. That's Isabella. Don't, I know you weren't. No, no, no. 
I know you that on me. I won't put that on you. But you know there are people, because we're in group chats with a bunch of them, that love Andy Isabella and call Hakeem Bustler what you just said. And and I do think he's going to be phenomenal this year. He's a big red zone threat. I think being able to learn from a guy like Larry Fitzgerald for a year and learn that offense, because he was definitely raw coming out. I will I will not doubt that. And I said that, too, in my analysis of him. He's a raw player, but he has a ton of talent and a ton of upside. I think he's going to ball out this year, and I can't wait to see it. Because as I said, I got the receipt saved, and I'm excited to go ahead and start throwing those out there. Uh, and then I will give my six, since you gave your four and fives, or your three and four, I think. So you can give me your five and six. Uh, I had Harry. Uh, I've just never been that big on Harry. I, I've said from the beginning, I think he's a high upside wide receiver, too. Uh, the landing spot for me in New England, I did not think was going to be a big deal. Uh, I've always said you have to build that uh, relationship with Tom to become fantasy relevant. Now, he had a couple of big plays. He got robbed from a touchdown later in the season because it was a touchdown, but they did not have a, a replay, I believe, to or they did not have a challenge to, to challenge the play because he didn't step out of bounds. I just, I don't like him there. I don't, I think he's a good wide receiver, but I don't think he's what a lot of people wanted him to be, being the first wide receiver, uh, I don't think first wide receiver, but the, the taken by the Patriots there at the end of the first round. Uh, a lot of people were expecting a lot out of him, and I did not think he was going to live up to the levels that everybody else was placing as him being a eventual wide receiver. One, someday, I still think he's a, a good wide receiver too, which is great for fantasy. That's not a knock on Harry at all, just don't think he's quite as great as a lot of other other people thought he was going to be. Uh, so, Dennis, give us your next uh, next two. Well, I had uh, at five. I have DK Metcalf, and my five and my six. I think D- DJ Metcalf and JJ Arthago Whiteside. I feel like those are my two biggest misses. Mm-hmm. Um, Metcalf is just far better than I thought he could be. Uh, I, I felt, and, and it comes down to the coaching. Because I felt like the coaches would try to make him do stuff that he's not capable of at his size and speed. And they didn't. And and so I, I was wrong. Whiteside uh, at six, I, I feel like I was too high on him. Uh, I think if he was one of those guys, uh, I think Metcalf was just about the only guy that had a better opportunity uh, than J.J. Ortega-Whiteside. Uh, I take that back. Samuel and Campbell and Brown all had great <laughs> opportunities too. But Whiteside, he had a great opportunity yeah. as the season went on. He didn't have to get thrown out there at the beginning of the season. There was no pressure. He could be the wide receiver five on that team. And then his injuries started hitting. He All, all he had to do was just step up, and he didn't. He, he I I had a nagging feeling that he was one of these guys that can do one thing, and that's box out on fades in the end zone. Mm -hmm. And right now, that's what it looks like. That's all he can do. The downside of it is in the NFL, you got got cornerbacks that are as big as Richard Sherman, and they can cover you when you do that. Or you got linebackers that are fast like Luke Keekley was, and they can cover you when you when that happens. And so it's it's one of those things where I I I have genuine concern for JJ Arcega Whiteside uh, as an NFL caliber player. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not I, I just don't know if it's going to be there. Um, at seven I had Hollywood Brown, and eight I had Calvin Harmon. Uh, 
Can you imagine somebody who ranked Kelvin Harmon higher than Terry McClellan? Uh, hey, oh. I did it too. <laughs> so, yeah. You know, Hollywood, I thought, was going to get a little more opportunity, but, you know, the injury flared up because he adds something to that offense that nobody else really does. Yeah. So I, I think he's in a solid position to, you know, he's one of those 60-catch, 1,000-yard guys that he's going to catch a lot of deep balls, be open deep a lot. Uh, I just think he needs to. He needed to adjust to the NFL game, uh, and, and I think he's going to be just fine. I think Harmon, as a possession receiver across from McLaurin, is in a good position to have a productive career. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think he'll ever be the guy, but I could see him, you know, having a year where he catches eight or nine touchdowns because he's six three and two twenty. Uh, I could see him consistently in the 60 to 75 range with, you know, seven to 900 yards. Yeah, I so I had Harmon above uh, McLaurin as well. Uh, and like I said, that's what I was mentioning earlier. kind of hurt my Buckeye pride in my heart a little bit that we had him. Or no, I had him right. Did I have him above? McLaurin, Harden. I didn't have him at all. Ah, I thought I had him up there. Uh, well, I had JJ, uh, just JJ Arcega. I said, I'm right there with you. I, I don't know what happened with this kid. There were so many of us, uh, who are really high on him and him going to Philadelphia. And maybe it's just, he's one of those guys who needs another year or two to kind of, you know, ball out. We, we've kind of seen it. Not every wide receiver makes a huge impact every single year. Matter of fact, we talked about this a lot. Or I talked about this a lot with Jordan yesterday. Uh, we kind of got spoiled with that 2014 draft and we've had a couple wide receivers here and there. And we just expect these wide receivers to come out and be wide receiver ones every single year coming out of college. And that's just not what actually happens. And we miss a lot more than we actually hit on with wide receivers. And, and we kind of fail to acknowledge the misses. And I don't think Jay Jaw is going to be a miss, but he's one of the ones that I'm most concerned about on this list. After him, I had Terry McLaurin, and a lot of the reason McLaurin even made it up here, uh, to be honest, was because of what he did at the Senior Bowl. Uh, he did not do much of his last year in college, and a lot of people, a lot of people want to pretend like they saw this coming and me and you both being the Buckeyes fans like we were no he was not producing that much they just they didn't throw to him it was all Paris Campbell we saw KJ Hill had a really good year that year as well actually outproduced Paris Campbell which is why a lot of people were as high on they were uh, as they high as they were on KJ Hill coming into this season uh, for college football so Definitely came and balled out, and I'm happy for him. Such a good kid. I can't wait to see what he does next year. I think he's going to be really good. Uh, I'm just going to give my last couple guys because I'm just going to touch a little bit on each one. Uh, Miko Hardman, I had him here mostly due to the fact that at this point in time, we did not think that uh, that uh, Tyreek Hill was going to play in the NFL again. This was uh, during the whole little scandal with his son and, and the arm-breaking uh, so we did not think there was a lot of talk that Hill would never play again. Obviously, that got resolved the way that it did, and so he ended up coming out. But Harmon still had a good year. I think he's got a good future ahead of him. I do think Sammy Watkins is kind of closer to being out of Kansas City than being in. Uh, so I think Hardman's going to be the guy there with Tyreek Hill. And my God, having those two guys running side by side down the field is, is dangerous. Uh, so I like Hardman a lot. If you drafted him early thinking he was going to be Hill's replacement, you're going to be good to go, I think. Hardman, Hardman has a lot of value. I 
I had Hollywood down here, uh, and I still have my reservations about him and Lamar Jackson. Uh, Lamar hit him on a couple big plays, uh, and I don't want to throw any shade toward him, but if you saw the uh, the skills challenge the other day, we saw just how inaccurate Lamar Jackson is throwing the ball deep. Uh, Hollywood Brown made a lot of those plays when you watch and rewatch the replays of his touchdowns, uh, but was dealing with injury again this year, and I do think that's going to be part of it because he has such a slight frame. Uh, so I'm still worried about Hollywood Brown. Definitely is a boom-bust guy. I see him as a Deshaun Jackson, which is what I said on the podcast. I'm going to say it again. A lot of boom, but he also has a lot of bust moving forward. Uh, Miles Boykin, I still think he has a chance to be the best wide receiver in Baltimore because he's a big body target that I think Lamar Jackson can go to. What's going to hurt him moving forward is Mark Andrews. Uh, he clearly trusts Mark Andrews a lot. And Mark Andrews is also a big body target he likes to uh, throw to in the end zone. Last for me was Deontay Johnson, and and he's the one that I'm kind of the most intrigued by because we saw Juju struggle a lot this year. Uh, James Washington really didn't show that well. Maybe that was because he didn't have Big Ben throwing him the ball, uh, but I don't think he separated himself at all. But Deontay Johnson did at the end of the season. He looked really good, whether it was with Duck or with Mason Rudolph. So I'm interested to see where he possibly places himself himself on the wide receiver depth chart in 2020 because if he ends up being that number two and Big Ben comes back, I think Johnson's value could boost up really big uh, for him coming going forward into his career. So give me the rest of your wide receivers, Dennis. Well, I closed out with Hakeem Butler at 10, Boykin at 11, and Hardman at 12. Um, you know, there, the jury is still out on Butler. Uh I actually started to warm up to him this offseason and uh, was eyeing him uh, the round after you took him in the Ultimate Destination reset draft. So if, if you had passed on him, uh, he wasn't going to make it back to you. <laughs> um, at that point, I, I, you know, we're in the middle, the middle of the draft there, and it's like, go get some guys and see what happens. Uh, Boykin, uh you know, I don't know if he's going to pan out just because I don't know if the volume is going to be there. Mm-hmm. You know, Mark Andrews is the guy who gets the targets. I think uh, Hollywood Brown is going to be second. And then it's uh, run, 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 run. I'm not as sold on Hardman. Um, I think he is a wannabe Tyreek Hill. Mm-hmm. Yes, he's fast. Um, but I think, you know, unless you play in – return yardage leagues you're probably not going to get the type of consistent production from him uh that you would hope Uh, i always think there's going to be somebody else that has a more well-rounded game taken up the other side of the field like sammy watkins or like uh uh demarcus robinson or they go two tight ends and bring in the belldozer along with uh, uh kelsey so um, that's how I wrapped up. I will say I, I, I should have had Deontay Johnson in there. There's probably a couple people I could drop out and put Johnson in. Yeah. All right, so tight ends. These uh, these are pretty easy, I think, is there's really only a, a couple of guys that, that really kind of stood out this year, though I do think there are a, a lot of guys that have promising futures moving forward. Uh, so I stuck with uh, with Fant at my number one. Uh, I, I loved him, and I thought he had a really good year. Obviously, Hawkinson was my two. Uh, it was all the debate between those two, between everybody. You either had Fant or Hawkinson, that was it. There was no other tight end up there in that tier one. Uh, Hawkinson, 
obviously, I think probably would have ended up having the better year, uh, but got injured, missed pretty much the rest of the, the, the season. Had a huge couple weeks earlier in the season, though. I think both those guys are primed for huge years as they both look good. Hawkinson, still clearly the much more, uh, uh, what is it, a tight end that is, I forgot what it's called here. Oh, my goodness. Uh, why can I think of, of the word? Uh, Help me out here, Dennis. I'm 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 drawing a blank here. He's the more better. Com- uh, not better. He's more complete. I guess is the way he he's definitely more well rounded. He can block well and play offense. Where Fant is clearly a very offensive uh, minded tight end here. I you know I could compare him to Kelsey and Kittle. Kelsey, great offensive weapon, doesn't necessarily do that much blocking like Fant. And then I would say Hawkinson is more the kill type. He'll he'll run you over and then catch a seventy yard touchdown pass on the next play. Uh, so who were year one and two? Well, I had him in the correct order. I had Hawkinson <laughs> at one and Fant at two. Um, though I do think both of them look like they're going to go on to pretty solid careers. Uh, I, I just I like Hawkinson's well-rounded game. Uh, you know, Fant is a guy that's going to always, you know, he's going to lose snaps when when uh, they only need one tight end that's. You know, and he's not in the target. He's not in the pattern. Mm-hmm. So I think Hawkinson will be on the field more. Does that always mean he's gonna be that he's not gonna be blocking more? Well, no, but he he probably is. That's why he's out there because he's better at it. But he's gonna be out there. Hawkinson showed uh, he had a few games where he he showed he can get the job done, and I think he's gonna be just fine. I think Fant is gonna be fine too. Fant is a little more of a uh, offensive type weapon as opposed to true tight end and if they use him like that i think it could end up they could both end up having long successful careers uh, i actually dropped in uh, at number three with irv smith mm-hmm. and followed him up with uh jay sternberger out of texas a&m and the green bay packers uh smith came on you know there yeah. was some a, a lot of a lot of people were really excited hey well that means they're gonna trade Kyle Rudolph to New England and Smith is going to be the starter. You know, it still takes some time for tight ends to fit in and get acclimated. I, I think this year it was an exceptionally good year for rookie tight end production. Uh, there are a few names on this list that just did well, uh, yeah. much better than we expected. Uh, and so I like Smith. He did come on towards the second half of the year and he made some plays, and he looked really good. He looked comfortable out there. And there, there's definitely space for two tight ends uh, in Minnesota. Sternberger, he, he spent, what, 10 weeks on IR or yeah. something? He flashed a little bit. I, I definitely still think the talent's there. But is it going to be utilized by Aaron Rodgers, I think, is probably the bigger question right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I had Sternberger at three, Smith at four. Uh, I still love Sternberger. I think uh, you know I would say he's a lot more like Fant. He he's a he's an offensive weapon, um, and that is the key. Is Rogers going to use him? Uh, you know I don't think Jimmy Graham has much much longer in Green Bay. I think Sternberger could easily become the starting tight end for them next year, and we'll see what happens. It could hurt him a little bit not being quite as good a blocker because they clearly like to run the ball, uh, especially with Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams, so maybe he's not on the field that much, but when he is, I think he's going to make plays for you. And then I had Smith at four, and I, I just I agree with everything you say. Whether Rudolph is back next year or not, I think Smith could take a huge leap forward in the in the tight end uh, positional rankings. As we know, they are obviously a little bit uh, 
kind of depressed. You have that top tier class and then a bunch of people in that tier two. Uh, and I think Irv Smith has a chance to jump up into the top of that tier two class. Uh, so for me, I'm just going to run through my rest of my guys because there's really at least, a, in my opinion, one guy uh, that did something. Uh, so after that, I had uh, Oliver who is in Jacksonville. Um, I'm interested to see what he does. My, my analysis on that was he was the first tight end taken, and and a tight end taken, or not first tight end taken, he was taken by the Jacksonville Jaguars, who clearly needed a tight end. And so I thought it was interesting because there were still a lot of tight ends left on the board outside of Hawkinson and, and Fant uh, that a lot of people were very high on. So the fact that they took Oliver meant they clearly liked him. Now, he got injured, pretty much missed the entire year because of injury. So I'm interested to see what he does in 2020 uh, in, in a with a team that does need a tight end. Next up for me was Dawson Knox, who I was very high on uh, and really kind of struggled this year based on the fact that he had this pretty much the same kind of quarterback he had in college, a very inaccurate one. But when he got the ball, Knox was able to do things. I like Knox, uh, but I still think he falls in that Tier 2. I don't think he has a Tier 1 upside. He's probably in that middle of uh, Tier 2 for tight ends. Uh, next was Caden Smith in... Um, crud where did Caden Smith go he went to San Francisco and that was more of a backup for for George Kittle thing uh and I don't think Kittle's going anywhere anytime soon so Smith I think has kind of fallen off the radar especially uh with with the way Kyle Shanahan's been uh, well, running the ball and everything go ahead Smith actually landed in was he Arizona uh, New York Giants so Caden's he did come on at the end of the year I think the trouble oh, with Smith wow. for me is that he runs about a four nine forty. yeah yeah, no. But he ended up in New New York. I would say his uh his upside is is clearly linked then to Evan Ingram as we saw this year. Because if Evan Ingram's out there and healthy, I don't see much from Smith. Uh, I think that's going to be all Evan Ingram. Foster Moreau, I'm interested to see what happens with him. Uh, I was high on him as I know you were more because we thought he was going to be the guy in Oakland. And I don't think anybody saw Waller coming on the way that he did. So can he make a name for himself there with Waller? He had a couple good games, but I think Waller is probably going to be the tight end one for them. Uh, Khalil Waring and Elise Mack. Uh, Elise Mack I don't think has much value at this point. Uh, we'll see what happens. I, I, they didn't expect Jared Cook to go there. Uh, I don't even think he's with the Saints anymore, to be honest no, he's with, with you. He's with the Chiefs. Yeah, so he he's going to, it looks like, be a kind of a perennial backup tight end, which sucks because he had a lot of, uh, I think, a lot of a really good skill set coming out of Notre Dame, but I don't think he's going to be anything. Waring is the last guy that I'm a little bit interested in. We've seen, obviously, the Texans have had a couple tight ends that have done good here there but nobody that's been really that consistent and warring i think has a lot of uh really good off uh, offensive he's a, he can be a very good offensive weapon not that good of a blocker uh he was a guy that jared actually turned uh turned me on to i think he has a shot to do something in houston but i wouldn't be surprised if if he ends up do, if he ends up not doing anything because i feel like tight ends kind of a, a a roll of the dice at this point yeah i you know i came in with uh, foster moreau at five uh, I like Moreau, and I, I, I think there's a, a scenario in Las Vegas where Moreau starts at tight end and Waller starts in the slot. Uh, I think they can coexist and, and get, you know, if 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 they're going to get 180 targets between the two of them, I see a scenario where Waller gets 110 and Moreau gets 70. And so they could be both. I think they can both be very productive uh, in Las Vegas. Uh, Moreau looked good. He had some games last last year that he he showed that he belonged. 
Uh, he did battle with some injuries and missed some time. Uh, I had Caleb Wilson at six. Uh, I like his athletic ability and speed. Uh, he's out there in the desert at Arizona uh, playing behind Charles Clay. So hopefully uh, that rash clears up soon and Wilson can get on the field. <laughs> Uh, then I had Oliver at number seven. Um, we'll see. Uh, you know, they had what he's he's got to beat out James O'Shaughnessy. Is that who, who's I the mean, tight end that's, there? That's if uh, O'Shaughnessy or comes Nick back. Nick O'Leary. Yeah. O'Leary. Yeah, know, that's, so, it's just those two. Uh, yeah. As, as, long, as long as he can show he can not get the quarterback killed with his athletic ability, I think he'll get a chance. Uh, Dawson Knox at eight for me. I think Knox is probably a little low. I think he's going to be the starter in Buffalo next year and going forward for a while. Uh, you know, he was there at uh, Ole Miss with uh, DK Metcalf and AJ Brown. And boy, I feel bad for Demarcus Lodge. He was the one of those wide receivers that just, you know, he's hanging around on practice squad fringe there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think Knox has an opportunity to be the guy uh, at tight end for the Bills. And then I had Mack at ten. So you know, I don't. I don't know if anything's ever going to come come of come of that. Yeah, it, it doesn't seem like it. So, you know, we both had some pretty good calls and and some bad ones, as everybody does. Not everybody is willing to admit them. Uh, you know, I, I've never admitted that I was perfect. You know, I still like to make jokes about my Ronald Jones call uh, a couple years later. Still think he's got a shot to do it, baby. Come on, Ronald, make me look good. But uh, outside of that, I mean, like I said, we, we had some good ones, some bad ones. I'm interested to see where a couple of the guys that we liked, for instance, Butler for me, Moreau for you, just kind of on the last couple discussions we've had. If they're able to do something in year two, because they've they've clearly got the talent, it's what can they do on the field. Uh, So before we get out of here, we did want to preview the Senior Bowl really quick. I'll let you go first. Uh, Who are you looking forward to watching the most on Saturday for the Senior Bowl and looking to kind of get your eyes on for for the combine and everything coming forward with the NFL draft? Well, uh, for me, I want to see Justin Herbert uh, Great call. I, I think that there's an opportunity for him. Uh, it, it looks like he's doing enough to to move into a high high draft pick. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I have some concerns about his ability to to play in traffic and convert when the pocket gets busy. Um, but he seems to be doing all the things he needs to do. He's he from all reports I've seen, he's looking really good at the at the Senior Bowl. Yeah. Uh, I have some concerns. I, I I watch the Buckeyes. KJ Hill to me says career wide receiver three, wide receiver four, wide receiver five on a team, not in not for fantasy. He he. I I don't think he's going to have consistent fantasy relevance, which it pains me to say. But I, I don't think him and Ben Victor coming out this year, Austin Mack, all coming out from the Buckeyes, they're all going to have to outperform. Uh, what my expectations are of them. I think they could all have decent, you know, one contract plus a year or two uh, career, maybe longer, if if they get into a solid special teams role where they can be that wide receiver four, five, six, and play a lot of special teams. But I don't think it bodes well for them as fantasy relevant. Uh, the, the running backs, some of the running backs are going to be interesting to watch. Um, you know, I saw a thing back to the wide receivers. There was something that like over the past 10 years or something, 
the wide receivers at the Senior Bowl have produced, if I remember correctly, a combined like six or seven, eight maybe, mm-hmm. top 24 fantasy seasons wow. over the past 10 years. Wouldn't be surprising. We've seen a lot of that lately. So so that you know that's not a lot mm-hmm. and so there are guys denzel mims has looked good yeah uh colin johnson has looked good so there's a lot of these guys that are looking good in senior bowl practices but when you go back and look at the historical performance and how it relates to fantasy football uh you're not getting the type of production uh, that we want to believe right now so there's a lot of work to do between now and the combine and the draft and training camp for these guys they're we're just getting started on this you know dynasty nerds we're putting up film after film after film on these guys i think we're we're, we have like 200 or 250 game tapes of some of these players of all these players uh including ones that aren't coming out this year so there's there's a ton of tape in the dynasty film room there and so I've got to go watch some more of it to really pull some of this in. It's a it's an exciting time, but this is when the work starts for us. Oh, Setting yeah. your lineups every week and doing a waiver wire now and again, that's the easy part. Now is the work. Yeah, a matter of fact, I, uh, one of the good friends of the show, one of our first listeners uh, in, um, my goodness, his name just jumped out of my head. Uh, my goodness, what is it? Uh Mr. Wilson. What's he look like? Uh, uh, he, Jack uh, Wilson? Yeah, he was in our listener league, obviously, uh, as yeah. well. Uh, been, been a great friend of the show. He sent me a message the other day. He says, man, I hate that we're having to wait so long for football. And that's exactly what I told him. It's like, no, this is the – and for me, the best time of Dynasty football because now you get to do all your research. You get to find guys that you like, fall in love with them, and, and you know, make moves, make trades, try and get more draft get picks, or use your draft picks to get more proven players if you want to go that route. Uh, you know, this is a great time, uh, and I'm someone who's always loved prospects. I'm that guy who I fall in love easy. It's just, you know, it's who I am. It's one of, you can say it's a fault, you can say it's a good thing, uh, but I, I love watching prospects. As um, You know, I write a lot of the, I've been writing a ton of draft profiles for Dynasty Nerds, I've been using some of the film, uh, the film room stuff that you were just talking about, uh, and we've been pumping out a ton of those as well. There's a couple guys in this game that I'll be writing up profiles for after I watch the games. I want to see if they can improve their stock any. Uh, so for me on the North team, uh, at quarterback is really only one guy that I'm watching. That's Jordan Love. His profile for the Nerds just dropped a couple days ago. I think he's got immense upside, but he's very inaccurate. He needs to work on some things. I think he's a a little bit more of a project than Herbert, who I'll get to in a minute. Uh, But I like Love. I think he's got a ton of upside. There's been talks that he could be a first-round pick. I would be surprised if that happens. But at the same time, I wouldn't be because quarterbacks are are very much overvalued uh, in the NFL. For the running backs, I mean, you've got Joshua Kelly, uh, Jamichael Hasty, uh, but the guy I'm watching is Darius Anderson at a TCU. He's a guy who's kind of been moving up my board a little bit. Not a guy who's probably going to make a huge name for himself in fantasy, but a guy I'd watch because I think he could be someone like a Gus Edwards who comes out there and does a little bit in a backup role. Uh, and something we talked or I talked about with Jordan on the episode yesterday. Backup running back backups are a big key to fantasy wins and victories and more than people think and it was a very interesting discussion with him at tight end uh, another profile that was just dropped the other day adam troutman from dayton uh, i think he's got a shot to have a really good game tomorrow and then the wide receivers on the north are they've got a ton 
of great guys. So watch James Proch out of MSU, Michael Pittman Jr., who I'll be riding up soon. You mentioned Denzel Mims. I'm a little bit higher on K.J. Hill than you are, but I don't think he's going to be like a wide receiver one or two, uh, like a lot of people have seen with uh, the videos that they've been posting. He's he's made some phenomenal catches this week and has really made a name for himself, but I'm with you. I think he's going to end up being, I think he's going to be more of a wide receiver three, which is not a bad thing for fantasy, especially if you play in some of those deeper leagues like we do. A wide receiver three can be big for you. I don't think he's going to be, I don't think he's going to be the Terry McLaurin of this year. Uh, like a lot of people seem to kind of make that correlation because he outproduced McLaurin at Ohio State, is from Ohio State and having the big senior bowl week. Uh, Ant- Antonio Gandy-Golden, Chase Claypool, and, and Quantry Davis are the last three guys on that roster. Like all three of them, interested in all three of them, but I want to see more from them. A lot of people are very high on AGG. I am not one of them. I, I-, I need to see more out of them. And then on uh, the South roster, I'm huge on Justin Herbert. I love this kid. Uh, I've been saying from day one, I know Burrow's going number one. I would still take Herbert. I think he's got the tools and the upside to be the best quarterback in this draft, and that's if Tua were healthy. I, like I said, I fall in love easy, and I've fallen hard for Justin Herbert. I'm right in his draft profile. You'll see exactly why I like him so much, and he has shown why a lot of people have regarded him as highly as they have uh, this week at the Senior Bowl, and I think you're going to see it Saturday as well, what he can do. I think he was in the wrong offense at Oregon. Uh, they did not play to his strengths, and if you play to Herbert's strengths, he it can be a very good quarterback. Uh, they also have Steven Montez out of Colorado, who's kind of making him na- a name for himself, and Jalen Hurts. Uh, I, I don't know what to think of Jalen Hurts. A lot of people want to compare him to Lamar Jackson. I mean, I don't like to say nice things about Lamar Jackson, but I think Lamar Jackson is a lot more accurate and a better thrower than Jalen Hurts, for whatever that matters. Uh, so I'm not that big on Hurts. Running backs, they've got two guys on the South roster. I like Keyshawn Vaughn, who I just did his article uh, dropped, I believe, last week or on Monday. Uh, I like Vaughn a lot. Uh, he's a guy that Dynasty uh, Price, one of the leaders here at the Nerd Herd, uh, with you, Dennis, has, has been just propping up Vaughn for over a year now. I did his draft profile. I think he's right there at the bottom of Tier 1 here. A uh, guy you definitely need to watch. And Eno Benjamin, he's a guy coming into the year. A lot of people were really high on. Uh, did not have a great year this year. His stock has kind of dropped a little bit. Can a good week here and combine kind of boost him back up? I don't think he can make it up into that Tier 1 of running backs, but can he move himself up toward the top of Tier 2? Uh, tight yeah, I think Eno is Eno's kind of destined for that uh, uh, Tariq Cohen kind of role, I think. Oh, you think so? He, he, you know, weighing in. Well, in part be, because he, he checked in at 5'9 and 195 yeah. pounds. And so there's a lot of people going, oh, wait, hold on. This guy isn't big at all. So he'll get in a situation where, for the most part, people aren't going to want – they're not going to give him the ball. Mm-hmm. You know, he may get 10 carries. He may end up with 12, you know, eight carries and four receptions or something. Uh, and I think that's what's going to hamper Eno right now is the perception that at 195 pounds, he's not going to be able to carry the load. Yeah, I wouldn't disagree with you on that. I have not uh, watched a lot on, on Benjamin. I, I was high on him coming into the year. He was very high up in my ranks, but obviously had the down year. Uh, and I'm, I'm not doing his draft profile, so I haven't had... There's a bunch of guys, since I'm not doing their profiles, I've kind of pushed them to the side for now uh, because I want to work on the guys that obviously I'm writing about because I want to give you guys the best information possible. 
which leads me to the two tight ends here, the top two in my opinion in this class. And a lot of people have Harrison Bryant out of Florida Atlantic as their number one tight end. For me, it's Jared Pickney out of Vanderbilt. Uh, he's a guy who had, you go back and look at his stats, phenomenal 2018 and did nothing this year. But if you were to go in and look at the tape, which you can find in the nerd, uh, nerd herd film room, as you were just talking about, it's not really him. It's his quarterback. Pickney is very good. I think he's going to be underrated coming in. I don't. I should say underrated coming into the NFL draft because I know NFL people like him. But in the fantasy drafts, I think Hunter Harrison Bryant is going to be the first guy to go, and maybe Troutman because they're getting a lot more of the buzz. And I think Pickney is that guy like Kittle a couple years ago that you can steal in the third round of your rookie drafts, and he's going to be the best tight end in this class. So watch out for him. I think he's going to be phenomenal at wide receiver. You got a guy that I've loved in Collins. Johnson. Uh, his profile dropped today. I've not had a chance to read it yet, but I'm excited to read it because John uh, Dement does a great job writing up these profiles as well for the Dynasty Nerd Herd, and he did Johnson's. Uh, same thing I would say is Pickney. Had a really good 2018, bad 2019. Dealt with a lot of injuries this year, uh, and we saw Devin Duvernay, who's also on the South roster, take a big step forward, which kind of limited Colin Johnson's production. Uh, so I'm interested to see what he does. Throughout this. He's done, had a very good week from everything I've heard and read. Uh, interested to see what he does this weekend in the game. Uh, Austin Mack, I love him as a Buckeye. I'm not sure what he's going to become in the NFL. I think he's, he's more of a wide receiver five like you were mentioning earlier. Uh, Kalijah Lipscomb out of Vanderbilt I'm interested in. I'm probably going to do his profile for the Nerd Herd. Uh, interesting prospect. I'm, I've got some interesting opinions for him. I'm going to save that for the article, though. Uh, then uh, Yuan Jennings out of Tennessee. Van Jefferson out of Florida. And then the last guy, Brandon Ayuk out of Arizona State. He's actually in my top uh, eight at wide receiver. Phenomenal guy. Doesn't get a lot of talk uh, because he plays in the Pac-12 after dark. A lot of people don't stay up to watch the Pac-12 games. Uh, Ayuk is a really good wide receiver that I think a lot of people are going to be surprised how good he does in this game at the combine. Could shoot up boards. A guy you could get uh, in the second round that might end up being uh, one of the better prospects in this draft with another guy that I'm working on now uh, that's a junior that I won't say his name, but if you follow me on Twitter, you'll see his profile hopefully drop next week as I've just got to finish writing it up. I'm hoping tomorrow while I'm watching the game. So those are the guys that I'd look out for. Dennis gave you his. Should be a really good game. Uh, And as Dennis mentioned, don't read too much into it. This is just part of the process. Take this in with everything you can find on their college stuff, which I would recommend getting a Nerd Herd membership, not just because me and Dennis both work for them, uh, but I mean, it's very cheap cup of coffee for once a month. It's ridiculous how cheap it is, and you get everything, including the film room, where if you don't want to trust our opinions on these prospects, you can go and watch it all. Jared and all those guys do a great job of cutting up these films and showing every single play that these players are involved in. So if you want to see how good of a pass protector one of the running backs are, if you want to see how good uh, one of the wide receivers does in pass blocking, like Garrett posted the other day on, on Justin Jefferson, you know, it's underrated how good of a pass blocker or run blocker he is and he shows a guy getting flattened by Justin Jefferson you can see that in the film room they show everything not just their offensive plays like you can find on on YouTube their highlights shows everything even their bad plays so you can get a full picture of the prospects uh, I would strongly suggest checking it checking it out if you don't want to believe uh, what me and Dennis have to say on these prospects and I understand everybody wants to have their own opinion so definitely check it out and check out our profiles as well like I said I'm one of the guys writing for uh, for a lot of our draft profiles we put a lot of work into this I, I can't vouch for everybody, but I imagine they're putting in just as much time as I do, and it's hours upon hours, if not days, of going through research, checking stats, and and writing up these guys. We want to give you the best picture we can uh, of these guys, so 
Dennis, you right, want to say anything else? I think you're sleep deprivation rambling now. I am. I am. I was, I was, I was trying to move to you and say if you, you got anything else or we, should we get out of here? Let's get out of here. All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening. We will be back on Monday with Mr. Matthew Fox to talk about uh, what we got right and did not get right in our division rankings and Super Bowl predictions and all that. And we'll obviously start breaking down the Super Bowl next week as well. Have yourselves a good weekend. Dennis, have yourself a good weekend as well. Look forward to talking to you on Monday. Right on. And it is Friday, so we've got Mr. Dennis Bennett joining me today. We're going to go up. See, guys, this is going to be a full thing this episode. I have a feeling it's been a long... Prepare for glory! I don't know if you got your popcorn ready. If you got your popcorn ready. I came out the wrong line already. And he's hit the end zone for an unbelievable touchdown. I would be honored if you played football for this team. Throw it up above his head. They can't jump with me. Golly! Only tackle them the corner of Who can make a play? I can! Who can make a play? I can!